Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Get a fresh new start MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Hi everyone, this is Fran Lewis And believe it or not, this is special time to o'clock And you are going to be mesmerized by the book Dissection by Dr. Christina Laporte, D.C. heart surgeon. You're going to love this guy. Dr. Stephen Leeds is suddenly besieged by a handful of immensely complicated heart attack and stroke cases, all caused by a rare arterial injury, a dissection. So this is scary. How would you like to receive a card that says your heart attack stroke will arrive within one hour? And how would you like to be the Kurt Miner and Kurt Miller and FBI agent that have to figure out what happened and who they think is in charge. I'm not going to tell you that. So good afternoon and hi. How are you? Nice. We finally made it. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Okay. So can you give everybody, there are people on the line listening, actually, I'm impressed here, um, a summary of the book and how come you decided to, to write this particular thing? Yeah. Actually, the story is pretty interesting um, how yeah. I got to this uh, idea. I was watching a commercial on television, and the commercial was about aspirin. And mm. uh, an, an executive, a man, uh, would get a card, and the card said, uh, your heart attack will arrive tomorrow. And then mm. the voice said, uh, well, unfortunately, Mr. So-and-so did not get an announcement about his heart attack, so now he has to take aspirin every day. So I saw that, and I was just, I said, that is my next book. That is a medical thriller. That's the beginning. And so after that, though, I had to come up with a whole story. I just had this card, and I had to figure out, you know, who's sending it and why and, you know, what is the purpose of this and how would they cause a heart attack on demand. And so it took me a while then to come up with the whole story. Well, I was, this really, thank God I don't have heart problems. Oh, God. But this would scare anybody. <laughs> Uh, if you people to read this, to read the book. not only do you want to read the book, but you want to watch your diet, seriously. Got to watch what you do here. Sure. So you created the original thing in the card. So who is Dr. Leeds and what alerted him to the emergencies? And right. are you God? Dr. Leeds <laughs> Dr. Leed is actually a friend of mine um, who actually inspired <laughs> me as a, a cardiothoracic surgeon. And um, and so, um, yeah, you know, he starts getting patients with this very rare way of getting a heart attack. Usually heart attacks are caused by by rupture of a plaque, mm. of, a, of a cholesterol plaque, and then a blood clot. But in this particular mm. case, these heart attacks are caused by a dissection, which is a splitting up of the wall of an artery. And when when you, the aorta, you know, which is the major vessel of the body that comes out of the heart, when the wall of the aorta splits up with like a velcro, uh, all the branches that come out of that, are the, they are like encroached by this uh, false lumen, you know, and so then they close down because there is a splitting of the artery wall. And so if the coronaries are the ones that close down, you have a heart mm-hmm. attack, and uh, if the uh, carotids are closed down, you have a stroke. So you have all these different uh, problems that come up mm-hmm. uh, because of this dissection. And uh, <clears throat> so that's how the book starts, with people getting these strange uh, events caused by a rare event, which is a dissection. That's scary. And just the card alone, God. That was absolutely brilliant. I mean, I just read um, Misfire, and they, they, it was similar, but then they, you had this ab that was inside somebody, 
and they were able to trigger it so the person would have a heart attack. I was like, oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> this just was even scarier. But I have regards for you from, from D.P. Lyle. He said to say hi. Yes. Because oh, he was on two you. weeks ago. Yeah. <clears throat> so tell us about Kurt Miner and Agent Jack Mulville and how come they became involved. <coughs> yes, Kurt Miner is um, almost like... Uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson in one person mm-hmm. because he has a strange medical knowledge and so he gets involved because uh, the FBI or the police likes to consult him because he has some strange medical knowledge which by the way is another book how he acquired that but that, mm-hmm. that has not been published yet so he gets involved because of that and of course the FBI gets involved because this is like a serial problem, it's almost like not a serial killer but it's obviously serial attempted murders because it happens to several people. So that's how the FBI gets involved. That's scary. Now we come to Dr. Silvana Moretti. What's her problem? I don't want to read the whole question. So what's her problem? (laughs) And how do do you know you're having this heart attack? Oh, my God. Right. So you're, you know you're having a heart attack because it hurts. The dissection hurts a lot more yeah. than a regular heart attack because it splits up your artery wall and that has a lot of nerve ending. And uh, Silvana Moretti was inspired by my sister, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she is an architect, but Silvana Moretti is really not an architect, is a scientist. And you don't really know which side she's on until uh, yeah. way into past, you know, the, the, the half of the story. Because, uh, you know, a lot of the technology used to provoke these dissections, uh, she is like the expert on. So, And she also has a beef with some of the people who get this card. So there's a strong suspicion about her. And uh, and you don't find out if she's good or bad until later on. And I don't want to give it away. No, and I, I have it in the uh, promo on here, but I'm not going to say there were three kinds of dissections. That's even scarier. Yes. And every time they were described, I was like, oh, my God, let me get my blood pressure checked. It's like, oh, my. <laughs> and I have low blood pressure. Sorry. <laughs> if, it go, if it goes over 118, I get worried here. <laughs> so I might have a conflict of interest in uh, promoting my book. That's true. <laughs> I'm not giving right? it to my husband. He, has, he, has, he takes high blood pressure medicine. I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> So how was how is this when they have the heart attack? How is it handled, and how do so, they know which yeah. type of dissection it is that's causing it? Because right. well, there are three kinds. Yes, very good questions. So when uh, when people have a heart attack, first of all, you have to figure out why are they having it. And so, yeah. like I said, the regular regular quote, you know, the most common form of heart attack is a rupture plaque, and that gets treated, you know, with uh, stent or surgery and uh, this particular kind is a very bad uh, much worse you know case scenario because as the dissection propagates you can have a heart attack and a stroke almost at the same time you know because mm. it depends on what arteries are getting involved and so you have to figure out you know if you have a stroke you know the carotids are involved the, the arteries that go to the neck and of course if you have a heart attack you know your coronaries are involved and if you're just having chest pain, and some people like you know, may die if the aorta ruptures, is the whole aortic arch that's involved. So those are the three types of dissection, mm, as you mentioned. That's scary. So who is Dr. Narula, and why does he blame Sylvana for something? Oh, you got me really upset. Yes. Uh, Dr. Narula uh, is an emergency room doctor, and he's the first one who gets the card. And uh, um, Silvana Moretti had a brother, and uh, he mm-hmm. went to the emergency room several times with chest pains. And unfortunately, Dr. Nerula sent him home. And so then uh, Dr. Moretti's brother died. And uh, he wouldn't, probably wouldn't have died if Dr. Nerula had used a special probe that Dr. Moretti had invented. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could they could tell in advance whether somebody was going to have a heart attack or not, but unfortunately the FDA had not approved it, so that you know Dr. Narula couldn't use it. So there is this conflict, you know, is is Dr. Moretti sending him a card to punish him for the death of a brother? 
That is that is really scary. So what happens when he has a heart attack, and how do they? What happens then? Yes, uh, his arteries are shredding by dissections, and they're shredding so much that they cannot fix them with stents. So he has to have a, you know surgery by Doctor Lee, mm-hmm. and uh, because you know it's just too much to to fix with stents. So he makes it, but uh, you know it was very serious. His condition was very serious. This is really scary, really scary. So who is Dr. Emerson, and what are these chips? Well, yes, Dr. Emerson is a, a, it's called a post-doc. You know, after you finish your doctorate, then you work in a lab. And so he is the the doctor who works in a lab with Dr. Moretti, uh, kind Mm -hmm. of under Dr. Moretti, who's sub-specialized in these chips, you know. And... um, so these are chips that, that can send uh, very powerful ultrasound waves, and uh, and they, she uses them mainly now for cancer, mm. to to kill the cancer cells. But of course, you know they could be used in other ways, and uh, and uh, so it happens that few of the chips have been stolen, and nobody knows where they are. And so this is one of the elements of the story that uh, is a mystery now where these chips have gone and what they're doing with these chips now. This is scary. You know, it's really, really upsetting. My sister had a massive heart attack on June 26, in 2010. And the horrible person she was married to, I could swear he didn't call 911 for 27 minutes. He called me 10 hours later. This is at 2 o'clock in the oh, afternoon. God. He didn't call me till 8 o'clock. And... I try to keep, you know, you try to keep somebody alive. She was young, young 50s, and it was, like, so, so weird. So when I read this, I thought, too bad if she wasn't in that hospital. Somebody might have saved her. Who knows? Yes, that's right. So what no, happens to the terrible. chief of staff, and who, what is, explain code stroke? Does this side alone is just bone chilling? Yes, the chief of staff, uh, it was the chief of staff when, uh, when Dr. Moretti was trying to do yeah. her trials with the chips, and the trial had to be interrupted because the FDA didn't give the full approval. And so the chief of staff was, to some extent, could, could be held responsible also for interrupting mm. this trial. And uh, so he uh, gets a dissection, but in his case, the dissection produces a stroke. So when they took him to the emergency room, when you start getting paralyzed, then... Um, then uh, you know you uh, the the stroke gets cold, so that the team that uh, specializes in strokes arrives, and they can do all the CAT scans and the MRI tests, you know, to see whether or not the carotid arteries are are closed down. So that's what the cold stroke is. When they do every cost, does every hospital have all those people, and do they move as fast as the ones in your book? Um, yes, yeah, so most hospitals, most you know, hospitals do have teams. Mm-hmm. There is a you know stroke, uh, stroke STEMI, which means ST elevation myocardial infarction. That's acute heart attacks. So that gets called for the acute heart attacks. And then there's a code stroke when somebody comes in, you know, paralyzed, and so that the different specialists can can rush there. So I wonder sometimes, because people, so many people go to the emergency room, and you hope to God that they catch it in time, because basically sometimes they're the first line of defense, the people yes. in um, in the emergency rooms. Sometimes they so do true. a lot better than other people. Yeah, trust me. <laughs> what can I say? So who is Mulville, and how come he doesn't take this seriously? And how does Kirk, what is he, how does he not realize that Jack Mulville is not really taking this whole thing you know, to heart, like this is really serious. Yes, Mulville has a, an interesting arc in the story mm-hmm. as a character. It starts off as a self-centered, um, kind of, uh, you know, pompous mm-hmm. FBI agent who does not really respect a lot of people around him. But then he realizes that some of the people who are trying to work with him are actually right, and they're actually good people, like, uh, you know, he he gets to appreciate uh, the detective, uh, Kirk Miner. And at the end, he gets to appreciate, you know, other people around him. 
And so then they change it. See, it goes from uh, from that kind of person into really being a true hero at the end of the story. So it's an interesting character arc, we call it, you know, in writing. Well, I, I like Dr. Leeds. I really do. But how did the difference? There were so many victims. How did you decide who to who to give a heart attack to without saying who? How did you decide your your victims? I felt so bad. I go like, wait a minute. How could you do that to that person? I know. Uh, well, you know, when you write thrillers, you have to be kind of ruthless <laughs> because yeah. you have to increase your stakes all the time. You know, it has to get a lot worse before it starts to resolve. And I think that you know, at the end, and at the end, I, I, it was so bad that I had a difficult time to figure out how to resolve all this mess I created. To be honest, so because my book, mm. you know, can be summarized from heart attacks to World War Three, so it goes as high stakes as you can get. But uh, it does resolve in a very satisfactory way, I think. It was so scary. So many people. So explain the designated survivor and the role of the secretary. Yes. The designated survivor is uh, uh, the person that is designated to survive in case uh, the whole succession to the president gets uh, Mm. incapacitated. So they pick uh, somebody who's kind of very low down the line because they assume that hopefully, you know, that those people mm. would, would, would still be alive, you know. And so the, what they do is they take this person, and when there is a big meeting like the State of the Union or the presidential election, the designated survivor gets separated and gets guarded, you know, somewhere else, away from the rest of the Congress. So if something happens to the whole Congress and the whole line of succession, at least he is safe. That is that is scary. I wouldn't. I don't think. I don't think the person that wants to be that person wants to be that. <laughs> That's kind of <laughs> like you got to be scared. Yeah. So That's who is true. Patricia? Patricia is the daughter of uh, Silvana Moretti, the scientist, mm. and um, and she has a very bad misadventure in the book, um, which uh, hopefully you know. Luckily, resolves well towards the end, but um, I don't. I can't really get in too much into it. No. Otherwise, I give away one of the major development uh, for people who would like to, you know, have the pleasure maybe of uh, reading the book. Well, I'm not going to get anything from me, that's for sure. So, <laughs> Doctor Moretti, what what other part does she play in this? I mean, I know there's there's more about her in the in the book that that we wonder about her. Yes. She's the one who actually made the chips. Yeah. But again, the chips were stolen. So, no, you know, you're not going to find out until the, towards the end of the book whether Dr. Moretti voluntarily, you know, uh, goes against the, the uh, Hippocratic Oath, you know, do no harm, or, you know, what's happening with her. Is she a good person or not? Or is she a bad scientist? And that's, that's one well, of the questions. That you're allowed, I, I, you, know, you have to read the book to answer. Well, you have to read the book to answer, and I have to ask this question before we. We have a lot more questions. I do hope there's going to be more on the sequel to this thing. There's got to be more. Yes. After reading the ending and whatever, I said, "What? Well, oh my God, that was unique. That was unique." So you <laughs> have said. You have said before that you always try to identify with your main characters in order to best be able to speak for them. But most of the time you feel most comfortable identifying with the male characters. Why is that? They're cute, though. Especially Dr. That, that's interesting, right? Um, yeah. I don't know. I guess maybe since I was, when I was very young, you know, in Italy, I grew up in Italy, as you mm-hmm. can probably tell from my accent. Um, you know, girls didn't do a lot of interesting things. <laughs> we didn't play soccer. We didn't, you know, nowadays, girls do everything, uh, you know, the men do, right? But at uh, mm-hmm. that time, I guess, I always had, I guess, a little bit of envy. You know, men did did more fun things. You know, they were out there. Uh, they had adventures, and girls didn't have that many. So maybe that's why I identify more with uh you know, with men and girls. Girls, you know, at that time, they only did, like, cute little 
pink things, you know, fluffy things. They didn't go out and uh, save the world. Nowadays it's different. You know, men, women can do everything. I wish they would have told me that back then. I, I, <laughs> right. I'm, I weigh like nothing for whatever reason, and I was huge, so I I was very bad in sports, and all the girls sort of played, but the boys were better, yeah. And when my dad <laughs> picked people to play on the punch ball, the baseball team, they told me to stand right. by the tree. You stand right. by the tree. Meanwhile, they, <laughs> when they needed a home run for punch ball or baseball, I was the one that hit because they couldn't hit like our there guys. There you go. I didn't have to run. <laughs> Not only that, I didn't have to run. I just had to walk around the base and skip because I said, ha-ha, I got a home run. Too bad. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> just it just yeah. proved that little I, – I, I'm 102 pounds. I must have been like, I don't know how much, but 170 back then when I was younger, not too long ago. <laughs> what can I say? So you said the right. hardest part the hardest part of the book was to write the political part. What type of research did you do to prepare to write for that? Uh, I did so much research that my husband was afraid the FBI would come and knock on my door (laughs) (laughs) because I was Googling all this stuff, Uh, you know, location of nuclear submarines or, uh, you know, how do you build a bomb? (laughs) So, um, and then, of course, all this, uh, how the president... uh, um, you know this the succession to presidency, how that works, and the designated survivor. So all those things, you know, and the and the biscuit and the football. Um, most of those things were relatively new to me, uh, although, you know, you can find them in movies and all that. But I had to, you know, when you write a book, you have to get it right. You can't just make it up. So there was a lot of research. Um, you know, the speed of nuclear missiles and all that, how mm. long it does it take to get somewhere. That, that's, so. that's, that's amazing because a lot, I've it's read too many books. I think I've read thousands. I lost count a long time ago. And I, I can tell when the research is bad and when it's not bad because I look it up after. That's how I learned about the uh, all the three dissections and I read them and I go, well, she got that right. <laughs> I, I do. When it's something that involves science or research or history, I ha- and if I'm going to interview the author, I have to make sure that I'm right, because people will tell me, oh, that was wrong or whatever. Oh, I don't like that. Right. Or that's too bad. I don't make I don't make mistakes like that ever. So that's great. The, t- the title of your novel dissection refers to these particular injuries. Have you ever worked with patients with this type of indus- this type of injury? Uh, yes, um, they don't happen very often, but in my career of uh, you know, mm. about four decades, I, I must have had uh, about five to ten people. So it's not very frequent. Um, I remember one case that we have to we have to move the patients from one hospital to another because the hospital where she was mm. at did not handle that kind of big surgery for dissection. Mm. So we had to put her in an ambulance while she was dissecting and. And I remember following her with my car, and it was kind of an adventure, but she made it. I wonder how many people would do that. I doubt that with what's happening now in medical care. It's 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 scary. Yeah, you're right. I know. I know. I see the difference um, in people, and I see the difference if we go to a medical center or urgent care, whatever. The main thing is to is to test people for COVID, which is which is never going away. Right. And the flu. And if you come in yep. with a normal problem, they tell you um, you're going to have to wait because normal problems have to yep. wait for all these people that get. And I won't go into some place that, that God has five or six people. If I need something, then I'll sit in the car and hide outside. And I don't even want to go right. near these people because you don't know. It, it's it's scary. Yeah. So you say that comparing lives. This is a good statement. You say compared to saving lives, which you is a walk in the park. Your journey to publication for the most difficult part. How hard was it to get this published? Because whoever did it did a great it, job. Seriously, yeah. it was brutal. Just to give you an idea, it wasn't. It's just not not just me, but to give you an idea, one time a famous author said that the best thing uh, you can do for a new writer is to give him the element of style, a very good book. He also mm-hmm. said that the second best thing you can do for a writer is to shoot him. 
while he's still happy. <laughs> and that, it's that hard to get published. You you have to really grow a crocodile skin. You get hundreds of rejection. Um, and the truth is that a lot of a lot of the uh, material that uh, agents and publishers get, mm-hmm. it's not very good. Uh, you know, yeah, they I get know. a lot of stuff that's not very good. And so it's very hard to find out the very small percentage of this. A large amount of material that they get, the very small percentage is actually well written. So only two per, two out of a hundred uh, of the manuscripts that uh, that agents and the publishers get gets published. That's, well, the, I, that's I, the percentage. I did my book just came out last week, and I self publish. And I I went with an independent publisher for the one before that. It was a mistake. They were they were horrible. Um, they charge a lot mm. of money. The yep. the help they did not help with content, but the last book that I have it came out last week. Faces behind the stone accusations. Um, the my editor was phenomenal. He's only supposed Great. to do like the, like like the grammar and stuff. He did the um, the content and everything, and it was published less than a month. And the cover Great. everything is perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of the famous authors, because I interview every one of them, are either getting their own brand or they're self-publishing because it's less aggravation. And I know how it feels to to be rejected. It's hard. And you yeah. know that you never, created never something. Hurting. You, you can't, can't, you know, like there are a couple of New York Times authors that had over 100 rejections and now. And what's happening with some of the publishers that or I work with some of the mystery writers write the same book, same character, just a different plot, and that's what they want. They don't even want mm-hmm. to change how the character does, at which point I go, I'm going to take a snooze pill for this one. And it's, <laughs> it's hard. That's why when I got yeah. this, I go, like, wait a minute. Well, you have a good publicist. They said, we're sending it to you. I said, you, but I, did I tell you I should send it out there? We're sending it to you. They don't, they don't even ask right. anymore. I just get the books in the mail, which is really cool. That's good. So you said, here's my next one, that heroes are human beings who keep fighting to overcome impossible obstacles, to fight their fears and limitations. Do you think human beings can be heroes if they choose to fight them? And as a doctor, you do fight a lot of battles. And do you ever find sometimes that you pray that it works, what you're doing? Because that's important. Uh, yes, I think that uh, you you know to be a hero, you don't have to be uh, wearing a cape. I think uh-huh. you can be a hero uh, just by choosing, you know, out of your own free will uh, to do the right thing in, in under difficult circumstances. Uh, you know, if you have integrity and uh, and uh, uh-huh. dedication to your work and you want to do it right, I think then that's heroic in and of itself. Well, that, that's different because I wonder sometimes how many people in a lot of fields wonder how does it affect the people that I'm that I'm dealing with? How do I get people to trust other right. people? That's 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 the hard part. So tell us how how much more does Doctor Leeds have in this in this book? So I was worried about him for other reasons. How uh, much more? Um, you mean uh, you mean how much work does he have to do? Yeah, how much? What does he do? What what other parts does he play? And what how what you know, yes. I don't want to tell about what you know anything else that's whatever. But what other parts does he play? Because he's determined to make sure that this everything works out right in his right. own way. Yeah. So he he faces an incredible task because all of a yeah. sudden he has a, a tremendous number of emergencies. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, and 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 all the hospitals are basically clogged up by these emergencies. And so, um, you know, you have to find a way to screen who who needs surgery right away and who doesn't. And so then there is a way, though, that you can do that in the book. And, again, it's a bit, you know, of a spoiler. I don't want to give away because yeah. it's one of the solutions. But it, it faces the, the worst nightmare a doctor can face, which having too many patients. And he knows that he can't take care of all of them, you know, and some of them are going to die while they're waiting. It's 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 scary. I've watched doctors in the ER recently, and it's amazing. Three ambulances, a bed that was whatever, 
and I had to come in for something that I really needed, and it was three o'clock in the morning. Wow! And it was it was like three, and the doctor there knows me, and she said, "Don't worry, we're going to take care of it. It's just a minor thing that I needed, and I needed it right away." And there was like two ambulances, people sick, a sick man, and I said, "Look, if you can't do it, don't worry, I'll, I'll deal with it at home." No, nope. but in an hour, I was out despite everything. I could not believe well, that's how, how. Well, I called them and told them I was coming. <laughs> I said, right. the, pain in, the pain in the neck is coming again, whatever. No, they're really, it's amazing. And I, I admire the fact that they that they even care because there's, there's so many places that don't. So explain what right. do no harm, what does do no harm mean and how does that play a pivotal part in your life and in the novel? Yeah, do no harm is the uh, Hippocratic Oath. So first, you're supposed not to arm your patient. So, and then, mm-hmm. of course, if you can, you can help them. Uh, but if if a scientist or a doctor does actually uses his own expertise to actually hurt somebody, that's mm-hmm. the violation of the Hippocratic Oath. And so that plays a pivotal role in the book, because the question is, is, is Dr. Moretti a good doctor, a good scientist, mm. or is she violating an Hippocratic Oath by using her expertise in trying to hurt people? Well, that they're not going to find out until they read it. So before right. I forget, <laughs> Monday, the author of Chaos in Carnegie Hall. On Wednesday, this is really cool. My college professor, I have a second master's in reading and writing, did learning disabilities, so my college professor and I are going to talk about how to be a reading specialist. He's going to tell me this ch- the child and their disabilities, and I have to tell him how I would remediate it. That's my goal wow. on Wednesday. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's yeah, he keeps me on my toes. Seriously, on the 26th, Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child, the cabinet of Dr. Ling. On the 30th, I'm not sure. I attended a date with Mac Coyle. And on the second, I'm going to be a, a second host on Marsha Casper Cook's um, A Good Story is a Good Story. She wants me to talk to Stephen Manchester. And on the third, um, the lawyer that was wrongly accused and spent 16 years trying to get out became a lawyer, Mark for Life, Isaac Wright, Jr. And that's just part of what's happening in January at the beginning of February. And anybody that has a book that's coming out, they better tell me because I'm filled till the end of April so far. <laughs> You're a busy woman. I, I started this. My sister, before she died, I weighed 200 pounds. I weigh 102 now. And <clears throat> she said you, my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So unfortunately, I had oh. to retire from teaching early. And I just sort of like, you know, you get aggravated and you eat, which is not me. She looked at me, she said, why don't you write a book? I said, you're going to be sorry I ever did that. Because I wrote about us growing up in the South Bronx, and I think she was sorry I wrote it. <laughs> but, yeah, I huh. told everything. So, yeah, what, what can I say? So the chapter titles in your book, how did you decide what the chapter titles are? Because that <clears> really <throat> sort of helps you know what's going to happen. That was unique. Right. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, they, most authors don't write the titles for chapters. I like mm-hmm. that. So I try to <clears throat> I try to pick you know the most pertinent uh, um, you know subject for the particular chapter. You know, and I make it into a title. <clears throat> well, that that did help a lot for me to understand, you know, what was com- what was coming next. So when you wrote this novel, write this novel. Um, did you write the plot first before the characters, or did you write an outline, or did you have an idea of where you're going to go, or you just went with it? That's a very good question because actually authors, uh, as you probably know, divide into, into groups. You know, the the pantser, yeah. you know, by the seat of the pants and the plotter. <laughs> so I think I'm in between. I need to know the plot mm-hmm. all the way to the end, to the climax, before I start writing a book. I need to mm. know that. And I write uh, not a very detailed outline, but I write you know, in a, an outline. And um, while I'm writing that, I just throw in everything that comes to me. Like if I know a couple of good lines of, of the of dialogue that I'm going to use, I'm mm. just going to throw it in. And some of the research is kind of a putpourri of what I'm going to need. And um, so, so when I'm all done with that, then, then I can write a book. 
So it's not extremely detailed, but I need to know where I'm going. I just I'm not able to just you know start writing without knowing where I'm going. And and well, the characters I think uh, mm-hmm. I, they come afterwards. I mean, of course, you know now in the sequel, uh, mm-hmm. you know Turk Viner is there, and and uh, and I kept uh, you know Mulville. In the I have a, I have a sequel already in the making. But uh, so yeah, I know those two characters. But uh, in general, I'd like the plot to be to be in my head completely. Now that's original. That's different because I just sat down on my type my computer and prayed that the words come out and that my fingers you know, really? come up with something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My my book is uh, based is told by the point of view of the dead person behind the gravestone that was wrongly accused. So they're telling it because oh. they're dead. They're telling what happened. Well, their voice was silenced, and they're going to be heard, or they deserve what they got. And this, this oh, is that's a serious, this is a serious that I wrote. Yeah. And you definitely, there were, some of the stories are true. Seriously true. And the, the next one is going to be called The Faces in the Mirror, and nobody wants to be one, I could tell you that. I, I don't know why horror is so much fun, because you get to write whatever you want, and as evil as you want to make it, it's even better. So, right. How, that is the, how did that's you, the thing I like the most about writing, that you can, is your world, and you can make whatever you want, and you can create the characters whichever way you want. And, you know, you just get to meet all these people that, that you create. <laughs> well, this, this is true. So I have to ask this question before I ask the last four. How come you decided to write a medical thriller I mean, I said, my God, she's like one of the greatest cardiologists in the world, too, but she's not in New York. And um, how did, why well. did you decide to do this? Because really, so many uh, doctors or police officers, you have no idea, write something, and it's like, oh, really? Did they, did they go to school to write this? I mean, really. So how did you incorporate your medical background and make the, the novel exactly right, that the information is, is, is exactly on target? Right. So the um, I, I actually started to write uh, in the middle of a midlife crisis. I was in internal mm. medicine for for twenty years, and uh, mm. I got kind of you know I wanted to become a cardiologist all of a sudden to mm. get more challenges. And so while I was waiting to get into a cardiology program, um, I started to read something about writing, how you write, and and so I said, Jesus, this is incredible. You know, you get into your own world and. And, of course, you know, what world, I said, I want to try that, but mm. what world am I going to write about? So it's going to be the medical world because that's, that's what I am. And there are a lot of things in common, you know, between uh, writing thrillers and, and the medical world because, you know, we, we deal with life or death every day as a doctor. Mm. So that's very yep. good for the thriller. And also the quality, you know, like you have to read people. As a doctor, you know, you read people because you have to come to a, a diagnosis, right? And then you have to mm-hmm. so you get clues and you put them all together. Well, the same thing you do basically, uh, you know, in a thriller. You have to have clues and that, that will result into a climax, you know, or, or a resolution of a mystery. So there are a lot of things overlapping between medicine, I think, and writing thrillers. It's not an, an accident. Well, I'm reading you know, one that now that's really scary, and I'm sure you don't do this. Doctors usually used to a lot, like an hour, an hour and a half, for the first time you meet them. Uh, now you're lucky if you get 15 minutes. Seriously. Right, that's true. It's it's really it's, it's really bad because they don't. And I wonder the book I'm reading now. Um, this guy is a really good doctor, and his boss wanted him to. Um, just cut on different tests. He says, well, if it's a woman, he doesn't need this. If it's this, he doesn't need this. Um, We need to get more money, so you need to outsource some of your work. And they couldn't do it. He he literally couldn't do it. And at the end, he goes with his partners, and they go somewhere else, which is Will. I wonder how how many times after 15, 20 years, or 30 years, some of these doctors become jaded, and all of a sudden... It's just money, and then then they cut 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 hours, and they cut the way they're taking care of patients. It's it's scary. That's what bothers me. I I think you're describing a pro, a real problem, a real yeah. problem. Mm-hmm. I, I I like technology. I love it, but uh, I think doctors have become alienated from patients. I mean, when yeah. was the last time the doctor examined patients? I mean, the doctors are afraid of putting hands on patients anymore. 
you go in and they talk to you while they're typing on the computer. Uh huh. You then, got it. And then you know they don't even they don't even look at you. I mean, wh- where is the doctor-patient relationship going? And then you get they, sick, and you have uh, these doctors. They don't even come to see you at the hospital. You know, all of a sudden you get a new set of doctors who don't uh-huh. know don't know you at all. And, the, they don't and your even doctor take is sitting you, in the office. They don't even take your blood pressure sometimes. You're right. And you're right. And the, and where the where the urgent cares used to do a lot. They don't do it anymore unless you go in. You have to literally go in and say, this is what I want you to do, blah, 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 yep. blah, blah. And while you're at it, why don't you do this? And I can't, and I can't say why on the air, but I went to Nergicale last week because I need something in order to take care of something. And the uh, provider there said, I'll have to decide whether I'm going to give you what you need because I can't decide if I can be bothered. Just like that. Really? She, oh, oh yeah. And I said... Um, when are you going? When is she going to tell me? She well, you could sit there and wait, and she'll let you know later if she can give you what you need. It's a it's a toradol they, shot for pain, really simple. Yeah. Is it which is Motrin in a needle for what I needed it for? And she said, um, I'll let you know later because I'm not. I haven't decided whether you can have it or not. I said, in that case, you can stick the needle someplace else. And I walked out. Oh God. Yeah, yeah. I, and I. I spoke to somebody yesterday, and they said because it's an urgent care in a private practice, they can actually refuse you if they want, and they didn't no reason. And I, you know, the funny part is I've gone there before, so I said that's okay, I'll figure it out. So you people, it's it's scary. You walk into a doctor's office, and sometimes you ask to see one particular person, and you get to see somebody else. <laughs> Yeah. So it's 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 frightening. So what what's going to be in the next one? Tell us a little bit more about it. And what's the title? And when when is when it coming? When is it coming out? Yes. So the title is going to be uh, I'm uh, I'm torn between two titles. One is Change of Heart and Heart oh, Condition. Nice. It's about heart transplants. <laughs> mm. it's, uh, it's about heart transplant and the and the mob mobsters. <laughs> And um, it's very interesting because the protagonist is going to be a small character in the book. I took mm. I took the small character, which I really loved. It just shows up towards the end. is a is a young girl who's who's, uh, who's working uh, well, a young woman who's working in the hospital and helps Mobile mm. to save the world. But she just has a small part. But in the in the new book. She's a cyber expert for the FBI because she, you know, she went to college and Mobile helped her out to become mm. a cyber expert. And so, so that's my new book. Um, so hopefully it'll come out, if this book is successful, then it will come out, you know, maybe next year, shortly after. Hopefully. Are you going to use the same publisher, the same company that published this one? Hopefully. Sure, I would give. I would give certainly give him the first uh, first uh, choice. Well, I'm going to tell them if they don't publish it, they have to be out of their minds. Really, <laughs> I mean, I a lot of first novels. I'll let them know really, for sure. <laughs> oh, trust me, I'm going to know too. <laughs> um, a lot of first novels, like I said, I've been getting a few of uh, mystery fillers, and I'm saying, how could this be a debut novel? It's not that great, and they praise it, and people read it. And I'm saying it's not that great. If I I can read, I read your book in less less than two hours because I'm a speed reader. But wow. if it takes me more, it takes me more than two days to read. Yeah, if it takes me more than two days to read a book, you you're on the low list. And oh. I've been reading a whole, but yeah, some of them I just read because That's they're incredible. there. Incredible. my mother. Yeah, you know, my mother made my life difficult, and I had to read ten books a week, and I had to do homework and violin and piano and all sorts wow. of stuff. And I hated dancing, so that what can I say? <laughs> so you must um, be a genius. <laughs> I, I, I wonder sometimes. I got really sure. smart, and my reading professor in college um, that I'm doing the seminar next week taught me how to look past what's on the page and dig deeper into the subject. And it's because of him that I actually gained my insight. So when I contacted him on LinkedIn by accident, thinking he's not going to know who I am. He said, you're the only student that ever got a 10 out of 10 on the first term paper. Everybody else failed. <laughs> yeah, he was scared. He, yeah, he was scared. You walked into the class the second week, and he said, you're all stupid. You won't belong in, in remedial writing. And I go, oh, what can I do? I have one master's, what the heck, right? 
So, right. are you are you bringing back um, Moretti? Are you bringing back leads, and are you bringing back um, the the other one, Solana, in the next one? No, actually, the 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 two characters are uh, were going to be there. Are going to be Mulville and uh, right. and uh, Kurt Miner. Kurt Miner, those and two. Then, uh, and then the, the young girl, is, uh, her name is Bloom, Charlotte Bloom. And because um, at the at the end of the book, I thought maybe there was going to be more with I won't say why with with um, Silvana, but that that was. Well, like you never know. Ending. She may come back in the following book. <laughs> She's got a. I, I I want to know what happens with her because you know you get mixed feelings okay. about certain characters, so you're not really sure. And Moville grows on you a little. Right. He does. And Doctor Leeds. He sounds cute. He's a real person. <laughs> so he he's, he sounds really cute. It's good to have doctors as friends. And this way they can <laughs> yeah. so sort of did you have anybody that helped you with the research or some another author that worked with you? Or another doctor uh, no, that worked with actually, you? I was on my own for that. Well, uh, you're lucky. Dr. Lee helped me a little bit uh, for the surgical part. You know, I had a couple of questions because he's a surgeon. How long does it take to do this surgery? So he helped mm. me a little bit, you know. For certain details. And what about for the heart transplant? Did you ever do one? That that must be amazing. Which one? I'm sorry. Did you ever do a heart transplant? That you said the next book is about. No. That? Right. I I don't do actual surgery. I uh, I only do uh, procedures. Actually, I'm, oh, that's you know, good. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. But I I do the angiograms. I did you know. Yeah. Uh, for a little short time, I did the stents. Mm-hmm. Um, I I didn't uh, you know I don't have a surgical background I have medical background and then I went into cardiology so you have to be a surgeon you know uh, through the surgical pathway you know to to be a surgeon yeah but I could imagine after you talk to the patient and examine them you know exactly what needs to be done right but that is most yeah. of the time I've, well you know I've been a doctor for forty five years so most of the time wow <laughs> it grows on you. That, that's that's amazing, because there are so many doctors after ten years, like they just say, well, you know, don't worry about it, you'll be fine. That that's what drives me crazy is if you call up and say, um, I have a question. Well, the doctor's busy right now; he'll call you next week. Right. You're Jeez. lucky. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's scary. Yeah. So dissection is is unique and it's it's very different. And I'm trying to find. I, I must have about twenty thousand pages of questions here. That um that I had in, in a minute. Let me see if I can find what I did with it. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to make sure that I don't didn't leave anything out. Uh, are there any other characters in the book that you want to share that I didn't bring out? Um. No, I think uh, I think you brought out most of them, and most of the important ones, of course. And uh, I think we covered them. I don't want to leave out anything. So where can everybody get this book and learn more about your work? And I truly hope that they are going to publish this because, trust me, I'll, I'll make sure they do. It, it seems that when I when I write something, everybody reads it. It's really amazing. It is. It, it surprises yeah, so, me sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, you can get I posted your review. I don't know if you saw it. I did post your review in about, I don't know how many people read it in five minutes. Right. Um, so you can get the book at Amazon. Uh, you can put, uh, you know, dissection. Uh, Christina Laporte. The, uh, Christina is not uh, written with an H, so it's C R I S T I N A because you know it's Italian version. So dissection, Christina Laporte, and then you can get it on Amazon, and um, it's available on uh, bookstores. Um, select the bookstore. I'm, I'm doing a book signing in Barnes and Nobles in in my area here. Uh, oh, nice. I don't know how many Barnes and Noble will carry it, but um yes, and then uh, you can find more about uh, me uh, on my webpage is www.christinalaporte.com. And well, uh, there is... you can follow me uh so we can get in touch with you, you know, if you follow me. And I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Um and uh, on my webpage, there are a lot of Italian stuff, you know, recipe and uh, 
Oh, nice. Food, uh, during Christmas time, the tortellini from Bologna, <laughs> if you're interested in things like that. But um, You should put that on you know, Facebook. A lot of well. people would like that. A lot of people would identify with that, with the recipes and stuff Great. like that. People love people. Oh, yeah, they love that. Of course, I don't go near a stove because it's much safer that I don't. <laughs> my husband, co- yeah, you, there's a whole other story in one of my books. Um, that, that we don't even talk about the fact that a friend doesn't go near a stove. It would be really not smart at all. And um, if that's if people want to live, that's beside the point. <laughs> right. I, I, I don't I don't cook. I just do reading. And I the, when I retired from teaching and I became a book reviewer, and then I decided to write some books, and then I decided to do this show. This the show is named MJ Network after my sister Marcia Joyce, and that's how I keep oh. her alive. Yeah, she she started me, and I'll never forget the first show I did. She said, you spoke too fast. Do you, you know what you were talking about? I said, but I was on somebody else's show, and I had, you know, never did it before. I had never hosted a, a show, so you learn. But this, this has been very, very, very informative, and I do hope that you write the next one. Do you write articles, too, different types of articles in magazines and stuff? Uh, no, I um, I did some interviews on magazines and they published it. Um, and I wrote a couple of uh, uh, a couple of articles about uh, our um, the the qualities of a successful author and uh, how my uh, um, background as a doctor influences my oh, writing. Nice. So I, I I did a couple of them recently. Well, I want to thank you very but, much. And I hope that I get the next one, and I hope they publish it. I'm going to publish the link so that everybody gets it, and I will send it to you personally so that you have it. Everybody, I don't know how it is by you. It's like 20 degrees here and raining and going down. (laughs) But this is Well, I'm in California, so it's a little better. (laughs) Oh, okay. I hope you don't have the rain and 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 all the uh, floods and stuff. But, yeah. We had a lot of rain, yes. Yeah, we had a lot of rain today, and they're threatening us more tomorrow and some snow on Sunday, and I don't do snow. But thank you so much. Everybody have a great day, and bye. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.